0: hello everyone uh, welcome to our podcast brothers by grace my name is Kong I'm Jordan uh, so this is something that we decided to do uh, one is we constantly have conversations and sometimes we would talk to other friends and they would they would be interested in it and, and they some people has mentioned that they would love it if we start a podcast so that's what we're doing and so this is pretty much something very casual. Uh, we're going to be talking about just daily things in our lives. Uh, primarily going to be focused on Christ or the scripture. Uh, but it's it's going to be just a normal casual conversation. And we hope you guys enjoy your time uh, joining us, just kind of listening in. Jordan, anything you want to say?
1: We're weird. Enjoy. <laughs> All right, so I
0: guess we'll start. Uh, You know, we weren't really too sure what to start with, but we figured we'd start off with just small talk about faith. I know uh, Jordan's put some time into studying. I didn't know if Jordan wanted to start off with anything.
1: Yeah. So when I was new in the faith, one of the things that I struggled with and that I was kind of ashamed to ask was, what is this faith that you're talking about? I understood it in kind of a principled way, like you're you're kind of trusting what you believe, but it really fell short a lot of the time, and I didn't, I just didn't ask. And so I kind of worked into understanding what faith is, and understanding what our faith is as Christians. We don't sit, like, a lot of people kind of give faith as it's in opposition to information, observation, reason, anything like that. They always portray faith as a blind faith. Like, we don't really know what we believe in. It's just, we kind of just do it. But biblical faith is actually the very opposite of that. Biblical faith starts off with information. So, the contents in the Bible, Jesus' death on the cross, those kind of things. The second part is... um metal ascent, like, I believe that. And the third part is personal trust. This is, these three parts is what make biblical faith. And so when you think about it, I, I usually use the, the really short definition of belief in action. So when uh, God says, in all toil there is profit, uh, I hear the information, I believe it is true, and I put my trust in that. I put my willpower behind that. I put my, like, I am solidly walking behind this. Mm-hmm. And so it was just a brief thing, because in Scripture we're described as we walk by faith. Um, we are supposed to follow after, like Hebrews 11, the historically Old Testament men of faith. And so it's just that kind of thing of understanding how do I actually do that? What does it actually mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: that's. That's a question that my brother raises quite often, is, what, is it, what does it mean to have faith? Like, it's like how do you apply that? Like, there's a saying of, oh, you just got to have faith. And, and sometimes it's like, for a young believer, it's, what do you mean? Like, how do I do that?
1: I like a story. I have a couple, but I'll tell you one of two scenarios. And I think it explains faith well. Um, say you're a child, you're stuck on the roof of your house, and your dad is on the ground. It's a one-story building, nothing as an adult that we'd be too terrified of, but as a child it's an immense mountain. Your dad stands below you on the ground with his arms raised, and he tells you to jump, and he will catch you. Now, you know who your dad is. You know that this father has never dropped you. This father has always been there for you. This father has been trustworthy. The basis of your faith is upon the information you have about your father and his trustworthiness of him. And so you jump. That is a lot kind of like the idea of faith in action. Mm -hmm. Another scenario is you have a good friend. And this friend has, let's say he has a bunch of awards for rescuing people from drowning in a stream. Um, You fall into a rushing rapid. And you're clinging to the rock in the middle of a rapid, and you can see your friend has climbed out over a tree, and he has his arm reached down, and he tells you to let go. So you let go, and you trust your friend. It is this belief in who your friend is. It is the knowledge of him. It is this, I know he will do this, and so you put your trust in it. Those are kind of along those lines. Faith has an object and you're placing your trust in. Mm-hmm. And so for us, we're kind of the same thing. When I hear something in scripture that says have faith or somebody tells me to have faith, there's information behind that in what there's something I'm supposed to believe. And there's supposed to be trust. And it's not just trust without action. Yeah. I know,
0: I think I was listening to MacArthur the other day and he was going through Hebrews 11, the, the verse about faith. And I, I, I kind of liked his example. It was faith is a substance, right? And so he was, he was just giving examples of it's, it has weight to it. It's, it's just, it's just, it's not that it's nothing. And, and as for Christians, we don't just blindly believe there is something there, mm-hmm. um, whether it's through knowledge or really through knowledge or just hearing the gospel, there is something there. Uh, for you to trust in for you to believe in and so yeah it, that's always one of the questions that my brother also raises is just you know about blindly believing how come mm-hmm. there are people who just blindly believe?
1: i don't think they blindly believe i think it's they believe in what they know of mm-hmm. so paul talks i wish that i could come so i could apply what your faith is lacking Okay, well if faith has information behind it, has belief, and then has trust, one of those three things that Paul is trying to provide the lack of, belief is you, trust is you, so what's potentially lacking in that? Information. Mm -hmm. And so, like, there are people who do a kind of blind faith thing. There's no information that supports what they're doing, but yet they believe it. Mm -hmm. Um, That you would call blind faith.
0: So, I know there's different, um, I guess, religions, if you want to call it that way, Mm -hmm. um, that are kind of Christian, like Mormons Mm -hmm. and and Jehovah Witnesses. And so, this kind of understanding and knowledge, what what about these two particular ones? So,
1: biblical faith, it means that... It has to be the right knowledge. The belief that Jesus made the moon and it's actually just a giant ball of picante sauce is not correct. There's no information that backs that up. Um, to have biblical faith, it means you have to believe in the biblical Messiah. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of these religions, they have a quote-unquote faith, information, uh, belief, and trust, but it's just not biblical faith. It's not a faith that will save. The faith that will damn, and so there is a thing of you have to have right faith. So, what about like people who are just
0: young, like they're just? Are you saying that there are some who? Because I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about young people in the faith who may be confused. Are you saying that they're not saved?
1: No, I well potentially that's person by person, but it's the. Immature faith. Okay. So I believe that Jesus is God, and I believe he does not cross for my sin, and I put my trust in him. Mm It's as simple as you can get. Outside of that, you can start walking into heretical areas, and that'll be revealed over time. There is a potential that somebody could, I guess, believe the wrong thing, but there's also correction for that. Ultimately, your trust is kind of found in that, uh, who Christ is. And the fact that he is trustworthy. Now, I just want to make a distinction between immature faith, where uh, you could know more again, Paul supplying what is lacking in your faith, Mm -hmm. um, or just straight up rejection. And rejection either by um, just non-belief at all, or rejection of the truth for something else that they want. Yeah,
0: because I know for me, kind of, my young days of being a young Christian, I guess it's not young days, but just being a young Christian at the time, um, my church didn't teach a whole lot. And so I was kind of that young babe mm-hmm. uh, for a long time. And it was just the fact that no one really taught. I mean, if they taught, they taught kind of the basic of who Jesus is, and uh, no, not really getting into any kind of deep or doctrines or theology, and you know, being young in that phase, because I know a lot of young people can go through an experience, you know, or go to youth camp, or or come across some kind of song or something, and and they get emotional about it, and they get this feeling, and they believe that's you know like the Holy Spirit, and they believe that they're real converts but because there is no knowledge that they fall away and so that's kind of where i'm going towards is kind of faith and salvation kind of goes hand in hand um, like how do we how do we work with that like people who just lack the knowledge and fall away where they never you know saved to begin with or is it I mean that Christians who who backslide or
1: stumble. So a clear thing in Scripture is that if you have been given the gift of faith, if you've been made a new creature, you will not depart from it. Uh, the work of salvation, sanctification, those all those things are God's work in you. Uh, scripture says that I will complete the work I have begun in you. God is perfect to finish His work. So, it comes down to honestly a sorrowful question: Was it just an emotional experience, or did you actually believe and put your trust in God in its entirety?
0: yeah, I think we we had a conversation about this a while back, and we talked about trusting uh do we trust our our experience mm-hmm. you know because, like I said, growing up in church, kind of going through these things, kind of teaching and serving, and um just seeing. Like just really just growing in a church. But these are just experiences. So how how does one
1: know? And that's where it comes into the new man. So I also had experiences back when I wasn't a believer, had many of them. But the distinction between the two was when I actually did come to faith, there was a change. I yeah. it, it was a fundamental alteration of what I loved and what I hated. -hmm. And not immediately. When I first came to faith, uh, um, lust—I—I was lustful still. Other things like that that still sat there. But suddenly, I had a real distaste for it. Mm -hmm. And then, as the years came went on, I started to hate it. And so, faithfulness is something I started to love. The idea of—or not just the idea, but display of God being faithful to us a faithful man to his faithful wife all of those things started, suddenly I started to love these things I loved mercy and I i hated um, those things that are wicked and so when you have that new man that is created in you that born again thing it's suddenly your affections is what it says are starting to change mm-hmm. and so you might have a emotional moment but if it's doesn't come along with real change, then it might have been just an emotional moment.
0: Yeah, because I know this. In First John, it says they left us for they were never part of us. What about? Because I know, like sometimes people get into a season of just walking and living in sin, right? But my my question that I always wondered is how long is that? Are we getting you know, a time frame? I mean, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> That's the question is sometimes you, you sit and you think, hey, is this someone who walked away? Or is this someone who is just struggling and walking in sin? And is, is that the reason why he, he doesn't come and worship? He refuses to fellowship with anyone uh, within a church?
1: So there's a verse and it says, you cannot serve God and mountain. You can't serve yeah. God and money. Uh, A distinction is brought up between you can't serve two things. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: When a Christian, if a person has been born again, begins to serve the flesh, the direct result is the hardening of heart. Scripture is clear. You are selecting that which is death to you. You're making yourself cold toward God. And so the idea that they start not coming to church, they start acting like the world is not, that's what's going to happen. Now, the thing that will eventually happen to them is you have two things, the correcting and disciplining hand of God, which could be intense. That is God allows you to go into sin that you never thought you'd get into. And you go to prison or something like that. Something he really has to do to correct you because Ultimately, like if you look at the churches in Revelation, they're doing all sorts of wicked things at times, and yet God tells them repent. Yeah, the kindness of God in that. Yeah, there.
0: I mean, I, I see the calling back because I see that as well with with the example I said earlier of those who did they really walk away? You know, were they really were they true believers or are they just walking in a season of sin? I, I think that's one of the things that uh, I just it's rare for me to see and hear about. Uh, I think that's just part of me growing up in, in particular churches, but it's, it's difficult, man. Like it's, some of these are leaders. Some of these are people who served for several years and, um, uh, who walked faithfully, you know, when when you met them, but they kind of just disappear and, you know, no one really knows what happened. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I sit here and I also wonder like, Hey, how come, uh, no one's reaching out to them, you know? I mean, I can ask that about myself, but I'm also sitting here wondering about, you know, the church leaders, the elders, uh, the pastor. Like, how come how come no one is concerned about
1: this particular sheep? So I would say first, um, don't assume they haven't reached out. Mm-hmm. Um, pastors rightly walking do have a love for their sheep. And so they will. Reach out, they have been given this charge before God, and they normally treat it with a certain kind of severity. Um, but there is the chance that the pastor is actually not pursuing them. Um, I would say that's a sorrowful thing, yeah, but it's not just the pastor's job to reach out to those who are wandering yeah we we love our brothers, yeah. if and we if we see your brother, sister, yeah, yeah. we see somebody struggling, you might be the one to reach out to them as well. It's not all a Christian walk is not your pastor's walk.
0: No, no, because like I I just sit here and I think, you know, sometimes for myself, I I get consumed by other things and it's just like you typically you see them on Sunday, but you know, you you just notice their absence. Um, But then throughout the week, it's like, hey, I got a schedule. I got things I need to do. I got responsibilities. And you kind of forget about, you know, some of these people until like you come to the place where you normally see them and they're not there.
1: I would say that is a it's not something I like. I mean, it's I mean, a,
0: would, would that be considered like a lack of love on my end? You know? Or or would that just be, you know, like how I'm just I really am consumed by other things.
1: Well, I it could be a lack of love, and you also could be consumed by other things. Um it could be a lack of you don't understand how bad this is, that mm-hmm. they haven't shown up. There's not a lot of information telling you, I need to talk to them now. Yeah. A week's missing. Well, in our day and age, that's not kind of crazy. People go missing for weeks. I used to have a Bible study leader who would go camping mm-hmm. and be gone for a week. So it's not a crazy thing of people disappearing. Um, But it is a lack of being with living with each other yeah uh, i have friends people that i'm close to in the church and the people that i'm closer to if they don't show up i call them that day and they're people i'm distant with and if they don't show up my hope is that those who they are close to in the church will call them that might not be right if i have concern if something like i'm not liking that i'm not seeing them well then there's no problem with you calling and showing love toward a brother or sister mm-hmm. Just do it. I mean, it's not gonna be a terrible yeah. thing for you. But at the same time it's you have to there is a sense it's your responsibility,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but you just need to understand when is the time. Yeah. Um I've had people that didn't show up for a while, I didn't quite realize, and it was saddening to not realize that I had missed them. Yeah. Um just love is a sacrifice. And you say, it's going to make me feel awkward. Oh, great. Sacrifice yeah. your pride and go talk to him.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I want to talk about, kind of switch subject really quick, because we're talking about like kind of people being absent. I know COVID was kind of a rough year for everyone. Now that things are kind of smoothing out again, um, what do you think about those who are just still absent? You know, is it, is it because they've just gotten used to the, the, the life of just not coming to worship
1: or could it be other reasons? I think partially it could be confusion. The Bible clearly calls us to gather together to worship. Yeah. And if people are confused that church is you getting, uh, you singing and you hearing a preacher, you have missed what church is. Um, A preacher's job, a pastor's job is to preach, to commend his congregation, to do something, to follow the word of God, to do something. That is his role. That is his job. Um, But we are called out to speak and to be in each other's lives and to meet. And so there is a portion, potentially there's a lack of no understanding from people where they are not coming out as they should. Mm -hmm. The second is There's a lot of people who have, this is a strange time to them where uh, this has been something that they said, okay, it actually is dangerous. I don't need to go. And they may have gotten comfortable at home and you kind of need to call them out to say, no, no, you need to return. There
0: definitely are some people who have that fear. You know, I know we knew some people who were elderly, Mm -hmm. who had that fear and it was genuine fear because they were old. They were going to be the one who who has the higher risk. And uh, I think for them, you know, I think they at least watched it live uh, on Sundays. Uh, every, even every once in a while, they'll show up. But, you know, they wanted to come. They, that's the, that's kind of the other thing, though, was that they wanted to be there.
1: Yeah, and they still served us, too. Yeah. When we got sick, Yeah, they bring food to our house. And they were great examples of just this desire to serve because they, they couldn't come, but they could at least bring people who were sick food.
0: So, so how do how do you think we can encourage people to start coming back? Like, hey, like we're you know I know some places aren't open at full capacity. Some places are. Uh, how do we? How do you think we can start like drawing them back or encouraging them to return?
1: Well, one is Scripture says return. It says to meet. So the first is by conviction over. Um, the one comfort. they love. Yeah. Conviction over comfort. Yeah. Uh, the second one would be, um, to remind them of what they're missing. The being in the body yeah. of Christ worshiping is supposed to be something like close to understanding what heaven will be like, where yeah. we meet together and we praise our King amongst the brethren and sisters and sisters. Like, mm-hmm. and so there is this reminder to what they're missing because, uh, We love each other. It's Mm -hmm. one of the things born in us as we become a Christian is the fact that we do love each other. I can see this when somebody gets sick, even a new believer is like, how can I do? What can I do? And it's just because of sheer care and love. Mm -hmm. And so it could be that too, the reminder of my brothers and sisters are meeting and I miss them. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Because I hear that still. And... Honestly, to me, sometimes it feels like an excuse, you know, that, oh, it's COVID and they don't want to come back. But to me, it's, it's kind of the attitude behind it, you know, it's no, I desire to come. There is this concern because of this concern, I'm not going to show up, but there is still a desire to, you know, to be with the body. I think that's, that's, I mean, it's unknown, you know, we don't know. Uh, what someone really is thinking or how they're dealing with it. But I don't know, man. Sometimes I feel like it's an excuse, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, just because you just don't really hear much. You don't don't see much from from people who are wanting to come back.
1: I would say two sides. One, I don't think it's completely wrong Mm -hmm. for you to miss your brothers and sisters who aren't there. Yeah. Okay. No, I want you to come back. I miss you. It's not a wrong thing for us. The second one would be this principle. Don't assume, ask. Do not assume they're acting out of wickedness. Do not assume that they're doing it out of lack of care, but rather ask them what's going on. Mm. Ask them why they haven't returned. We're people of truth. Um, we do not assume a truth for somebody else. Yeah. We don't, uh, we can use information to try and ascertain, but I do not assume why somebody has done something. I'd rather ask. I, I I want to hear the information. Yeah,
0: yeah. That's that's one of the things that we're kind of seeing at the current church that we're at, and uh, I really don't know how to how to respond to that. Like one is we're fairly new at the church where we're at, and so we don't really know the people uh, too well, and so I don't know how people will take encouragement, or, you know, maybe they'll misinterpret what I say, or think I have different intentions when I speak to them about returning. So, I mean, that's kind of difficult on our end, Um, but because I know we we agree that, no, you should be at that church. There's nothing really stopping you or preventing you from worshiping um, you know, unless like this, the church just doesn't open, uh, but even throughout COVID, like we, we watched it on, we watched it live, uh, for a bit. And then eventually, uh, you know, thank God our church didn't close for too long. Mm-hmm. Uh, they eventually opened and we, we started going back as soon as they opened up.
1: It's, you always have to try and see how can I encourage them? I don't want to assume negative. I want to assume the best of my brothers. That's at least we think of the best of our brethren or our brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. We don't consider them to be doing something out of wickedness. Yeah. And so I'm going to assume the best and I want to go talk to them uh, and encourage them. Even though I haven't met them before, I I want to be excited to meet them. I want to be excited to have them come back together with us to worship God. Um. How you do that is up to you, uh, but the point is to encourage them to return, not to condemn them. We are not the Holy Spirit; the Holy Spirit will do its work. Yeah. We can help in certain ways, but and also to mean to just dis- to tell truth is different. Yeah, and we are supposed to like talk to brethren in love, saying you are not acting right. If we have to get to that point, mm-hmm. um. But ultimately, like conviction should be from the spirit.
0: All right. I think uh, that's going to be it for this episode. We're going to go ahead and end it for now. Um, I hope you guys are encouraged. I hope something that uh, you've heard through this conversation has been helpful to you. I know I have some things that I've already I'm already considering on, on reflecting about. Uh, Some more things that I should be praying for. Uh, But I do hope you guys continue to join us and continue to listen in uh, for our future podcasts.
1: Yeah, I enjoyed this. I would like to do this again. I hope we continue. And thanks for joining us. Shoot the breeze.
0: All right. See you guys next time.